U.S. Commando Team was placed in cryogenic suspension as an emergency contingency plan. Rift release of Age of Conan. An unsuspecting population prompted their revival. These one and a half MMO experts, modified by super science, have dedicated themselves to providing insightful, humorous commentary in the hopes of preventing future catastrophes of the Age of Conan Magnetic. If you're playing or making a crappy MMO, and if you can find them on iTunes, you can listen to the M Team. Listen to those channels. This is episode 125 of Channel Massive. I'm Noah, live in Colorado, live in North Carolina we have... Eric. And live in Great Britain... Hello, this is Ted. (laughs) And that's your hosts. No Mark, no Jason, no Jim. We don't need those people. Mark and Jim are actually out seeing some silly concert that I'm sure involves... Girl power and mini skirts or something like that. And <clears throat> I'm sure they're dressed up, have makeup on, feeling the flow. Sounding pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but you listeners are getting the real triumvirate of power in this episode, and we are very excited to begin because we've been talking for about an hour now <laughs> and have not started the show. So we're very happy to actually be starting the show. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually a little bit frightened because both Eric and Ter, and well, myself as well, we're all horrible with tangents and staying on topic. <laughs> so I'm going to do my best to keep my two compatriots in line. But I may fail if I get carried away on their flights of fancy. So bear with us. We'll see how long this episode ends up being. It'll either be very focused or very pondering and thoughtful. By the way, we hope you like it. And you can let us know what you think about it via iTunes reviews, or you can send your feedback into mail. M-A-I-L. Yes, I got it! <laughs> at channelmassive.com. Or you can also send us a tweet over twitter.com slash channelmassive, which Eric has graciously taken over. So our Twitter feed is now resurrected and alive. Yay! I was just wondering the other day who was going to do it, because didn't Jason do it before? Yeah, that was his baby. Yeah, from then he no more. I was thinking, oh, what's happened? So we we went to the Jason altar and asked for his blessing and have buried the Twitter account over to Mr. Eric. And you can look forward to his misadventures in tweet form there. (laughs) Before we talk any more about other things on the internet, let's talk about what we're playing. Someone to hold me tight, that would be very nice. Someone to love me This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. 
Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Oh, guess, hey, hey, Noah. Yeah? That's what we were talking about. We were talking about Monster Hunter Try together. Yeah, were you talking about it we in that kind of about, voice? Yeah, we were talking <laughs> about big swords, sharp lances, and like powerful Were you bone really guns. talking about Monster Hunter Try? <laughs> I got a bad boy and that's alright with me. Time to talk about what we've been playing this last week. Let's start first with... Eric, what have you been playing? Whoa. <laughs> Let me get my little notepad here. Okay. So, I um have issues with Final Fantasy, was it 13 now, coming out? <laughs> and me not having a next-gen system. Uh, so, Steam had a sale. Uh, it was like Square Enix IDOS sale. And um, they had Last Remnant. And I and I kind of needed a new JRPG fix, just anything really, to stop me from thinking about Final Fantasy Thirteen. I've played every single one, and it's hurting not to be able to play this one. So I got Last Remnant, and it's a pretty game. It's JRPG. It's it's got kind of like different tactics and everything, but it's it's pretty much just there for me to get some some crazy Japanese fix, so I don't go out and buy a new system or something. Um, then I, I finally, I've, I've kind of had this new initiative that I'm going to actually finish some of the games I have installed on my computer. Because it can't be good to have all of these computer games installed on my PC at once. I just know something's going to happen. So I started playing Borderlands, and I'm actually going to beat it this time. But just when I decide that I really want to play it, this huge bug, it, it's hitting like random people. It makes no sense. You play it for about 20 to 30 minutes, and it just crashes. And it's it's a noted problem on their official boards. And their solution is, well, you just go in and turn off one of your cores on your on your processor. <laughs> and just do that, and that'll be fine. It's like, it's like, How are you how supposed, supposed to do to that? The... <laughs> well, there, there are tools for it, but then you have to turn everything down to minimum settings just for it to chug along. Well, yeah, that's not even the same game experience that you've been playing if you have 25% less power. Yeah, and then they have a bunch of other stuff. Uninstall, reinstall, try doing all this stuff, and I'm like, fuck you. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I just want to play the game. So it's actually affecting things where I might not get the DLC now. Because I'm not really having a whole heck of a lot of fun, especially since it's a, it's a game all about loot. And if I go and pick up, I found this great purple item, right, which is a high-quality drop. And I, and as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm going to crash any second now. I better go and get to the save station. And I run, and I'm almost there, and I crash and lose the item. So it's really, uh, it's it's ruining stuff. Anyway. Well, is that going to impede your original quest of actually finishing other games you own? Are you just going to... Drop Borderlands and move to another one, or are you going to just say, "This is a sign that I, I'm not meant to finish any of these games and just abandon it altogether"? <laughs> I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish them because I've got that going, and I've got Psychonauts. So I've got you know Great Borderlands. Game. Yeah, Borderlands can be kind of an epic experience. There's a lot of loot that you can find, and you can play it almost 
just as long as you want, you know, and you can continue on with it. But Psychonauts has an end, and I'm I'm close to that, so I, I I'm 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 getting there, you know. I've got all these small games that I'm actually finishing. Like another one that I played this week, I beat was Nick's Quest. It's a it's a WiiWare title, um, and I downloaded that a long time ago. And it's kind of like this neat. Um, it's like a platformer, but you use you use powers bestowed on you by Greek gods, like the ability to lift things with your Wii remote, and you can do a bunch of other stuff. And you're going you go through and and do puzzles. It was it's only a three hour game though, so I finished that and I was jazzed up and started Psychonauts, and then I you know I'm almost finished with that right when I'm you know doing Borderlands. Um, when I'm not playing that, I, I jump into Stargate Resistance. I'm still playing that. Surprisingly enough, it's it's fun. It is fun. Um, it's like I mentioned before. It's got that asymmetrical balance, which when you have a lot more people on, actually works really well. And are you excited about the announcement this week that Secret of Monkey Island number two is going to be remade? Uh, I I mentioned that to tear before we started recording. I saw that and just, I, I'm so happy for that, the de- developers of that. Like, I knew <laughs> if, if the first one sold really well, they would continue. And this is just bringing back the games that, like, adventure games are my thing. Like, oh, oh. And, and just to know that they're remaking it so faithfully and so well. I've, saw, I've seen the screenshots, and they look just as high quality as the first one. I'm I'm so excited, so excited. Um, finally, Champions Online. I got to 40 with my character. Did the high level content. It's a blast. Wish more people were playing. And Allods Online. Um, you you know it's popular because there are gold spammers all over the place. Yep, that's Jeez. it. Yeah. Oh 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 oh. Last thing. Monster Hunter Try. I got the demo for that. It's uh, it's a, it's a combat-focused demo, and you you only have 20 minutes to play, right? I ended up playing that thing for an hour and a half, <laughs> just playing it over and over again, trying the different weapons. Because in this, I mean, this is the closest thing that the Wii owners are going to get to like an MMO, because you you grind out crafting stuff. There are different classes by. Um, well, pretty much each weapon is a different class. So you play with them all different. It's, oh, that's, that's going to be fun. Anyways, I'm done. Thank you. And Tara, it turns out you've bought one of five million copies of a new game that's come out. That's right. Actually, um, does that count collector's editions as well? <laughs> you just keep trying to rub that in that you have a collector's edition <laughs> that was not released in North America. Oh, uh, yes, the collector's edition is gorgeous. It comes with this artwork book and a collection of of music from the OST and some decals and beautiful postcards. <laughs> <laughs> so and what beautiful. game is this? <laughs> Final Fantasy XIII, my highest played game this week. No! Oh, <laughs> 30 hours of this week has gone to that game. Wow. And you're, what, on Chapter 10 so far? I'm on, yeah, Chapter 10, right at the beginning of Disc 3 now. It is 
Incredible. How many discs are there in the 360 version? There are just three. And is Chapter 10 the first time that you can like, select your party and actually go off the linear path? Yeah. Well, it's still sort of linear. I think I'm very close to where I'll start be able to doing, like, choosing the missions I do and everything. But I'm finally able to... Uh, all of my characters can now do anything if I st- if I want to teach them a certain thing. They can now they now have all the classes open to them. I can change my party leader and have three people in my party. Anybody I want. So that was it was awesome. I cheered audibly, scared both my cats. It <laughs> 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 said you can now choose any three people in your party. The thing came up and I went woo! And both my cats just went woo! hilarious now how do you feel and Kate was laying right next to him so Lucian jumped and fell onto Kate and Lucian is fucking huge cat (laughs) so he went (laughs) (laughs) now aside from the extensive linearity this Final Fantasy is quite a bit different from the previous ones in terms of how the combat system works and there are any towns what how do you what, what do you think about the, what do you think about the game so far and how do you like the characters and the story as compared to other final fantasies um i really miss levels i miss having a number that tells me how powerful i am <laughs> the <laughs> the enemies you fight do have levels but it's all stuff like the ones i'm fighting now are like, <laughs> like 11 or 12 it's it's that's weird very, I know it's very strange. They're like some of the hottest ones I've ever encountered, and they're like 12, 11, what? <laughs> so I was sitting here thinking maybe the stage I'm at in my Crystarium is my level. And I have a friend who I, ta- who I Skype to on Xbox, and we're both playing it now, and he's in the U.S. And uh, he just kept on telling me, no, stop trying to look for levels wherever you go. They're not in the game, and it's driving me crazy. But, uh, yeah. Are the summons amazing? Because last night, I haven't played the game, but I had a dream about the summons. Well, where I'm at, I've only got three espers at the moment. They're called Eidolons, but, you know, they're always espers. I don't care what they're called. (laughs) Um, And that's uh, Bernhilda Odin and the Shiva Sisters. Oh, my God. The Shiva Sisters are probably the most gorgeous rendition of Shiva. That I have ever seen, even more beautiful than Mateus, gotta say. Mm. It's just whenever they have, I mean, in um, in ten and also in twelve, you know how you can uh, cut down the summon scenes so you just get a condensed version. Mm-hmm. I have left them on in this game. I have seen seen that summons probably ten or eleven times each, I'm not getting tired of them. I won't skip past them. They're just so gorgeous. You've got to see them over and over. But um, uh, the characters are alright. I don't really want to say too much about the ones I don't like, because it's kind of story-related, and I don't really want to ruin it for anybody. Well, that's nice of you. If Jason were here, he would be just telling everybody. <laughs> well, my favorite character is one of the characters called Hope. And uh, it's because, and this is not really giving much away, you know, like in games, they like have, oh, this person was an old kid, 
but he played lots of battle simulator RPGs, so he knows how to fight. Or this is your main character was just a normal kid, but he was a really good tracker in his tribe, so he's good with a bow. Well, Hope was a normal fucker boy. He wasn't a tracker. He didn't do battle simulators. He was a lazy little fucking boy who couldn't even pick up a dagger. And he just developed from there, and a lot of people don't like him. And he's such a great character. I don't know why they don't like him. Anyway. Oh, and Fang and Vanille, I really like, except I wish they would shut up, because they're both Australian. And female Australian accent is like, makes me want to murder people. (laughs) (laughs) Do most people in England feel that way? Uh, I feel that way, certainly. I believe that I feel that way, whereas most people here feel that way about the Welsh. I happen to dislike the Australian female accent more than I dislike the Welsh accent. Which is saying I just just bring that up because you're not the first English person that I've heard say they don't like Australian accents. So I was like, maybe there's a, a... a nationwide sentiment over there. Well, it's, it's, I don't know. The Australians have totally butchered the language so incredibly. Worse than Americans did, but the Australians just ran it through some kind of greater <laughs> doom. I don't know. They changed it. It's so I, weird. I feel like we're we're in some kind of minefield. About to say about to say something that's going to cause a huge explosion, people. Like there's, we're very near proximity. Mind, just telling either you. that or we're going to lose all of our Australian listeners. I don't know, Australian listeners. If you would like to provide a retort, an audio Australian. retort, you could send Australian it. Australian listeners, if any of you are male Australians, you can go ahead and leave an audio because I will listen to it personally. Australian <laughs> men. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an issue with the Australian male accent. I think it's well sexy. But I just don't like the women. I don't know what it is about them. Their tonality oh, and their now, now we know. That, that wasn't specific before, but now we I know. I said that earlier. I said the female Australian voice. <laughs> Over in my corner of the gaming world, I, have, I went to Florida this last weekend, so I didn't get a lot of chance. I didn't get a lot of time to play any games. But I brought my DS, and I played Crime Scene, which really had potential until they unleashed their programmers on the controls, because the controls are broken. But I don't want to talk about that too much more other than that. I've also rediscovered League of Legends. You may have remembered, if if you've been listening to the show for a while, back in the fall of last year, we were very excited about Heroes of New Earth and League of Legends, and we were getting spammed by all these people that don't even listen to the show saying, hey, can you give me a Heroes of New Earth beta key? And granted, between the two games, Heroes of New Earth has the more, has the more, oh gosh, I don't know what word to say without sounding too judgmental. It's It's a more detailed, realistic art style, whereas League of Legends is more cartoon styled, I suppose is a good way of putting it. Uh, objectively. And if you were just looking at screenshots of both of them side by side, you'd be like, oh, I want to play Heroes of New Earth. That game looks really pretty. There's definitely good graphical elements to League of Legends, but really what I think separates those two games is that 
League of Legends is so much fun to play and it has so much depth beyond the core game concerning your account profile and the experience points that you can put into that, much like you would do in Call of Duty or even just a standard MMO. You can boost, by small percentage points granted, the abilities of the heroes that you summon in the game. And it's just so much fun. And I've been getting onto Skype with Mark and playing two or so times a week at least in the evening. It's our wind-down game, as we call it. And I'm really optimistic and hopeful that we'll be able to get Ter and Eric to play with us as well. The challenge for Ter is that she installed it once, and as she put it, she uninstalled it in a rage. And she just reinstalled it today. And I, if I recall correctly, Ter, you were like, oh my gosh, it's 31 minutes so far. When will this game ever end? And these people are oh, killing it's, me, and it's, it sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, don't uninstall it. Don't uninstall it until you can play it with us on Skype. It's way better. So... Fingers crossed. I that just leave it. I'll leave it until you guys get on. Okay. So we'll stop for that. And listeners, if there are any of you out there who are enraptured with League of Legends, it's a free game. You can download the client for free. Let us know so that you can join our <laughs> scattershot gaming experiences that occur late, late in the evening once uh, Mark's babies have been put to sleep. We would love to have you join us. And then, of course, as you've heard... Eric is a true believer in MMOs and is still playing Champions, which I think is really awesome. And that actually gets into something that I want to bring up in our feedback section in our mailbag, and that's going to be next. What is that? What is that accent? Is that from, like, what is that, like, North Pole or something? That's exotic. <laughs> North Pole. Oh. That's right. I'm from the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> Time for the emails and tweets. We actually have tweets in this week's episode because our Twitter account has been resurrected by Eric. So what have you heard so far from the Twitter sphere, Eric? Well, I announced that the thing was alive and kicking again. And the first uh, tweet we get back is from the sister podcast, Nintendo Joe. It says, welcome aboard. Just try not to screw up too much. Semicolon, close parentheses. I think, hey, if you look to the left, it's like a winking, smiling face. Almost. Hey, that's, that is neat. That's something. And oh, then, I see, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah, that's the future. Someone should get on that. Nonetheless, and then right before, right after, sometime in between, we got this one. It's by OMG Agro. Does welcome, Eric, new bearer of the mantle of nerd rage. I hope you can handle it. The mantle is a heavy burden. I don't really get angry, though, so... Um, <laughs> we'll see. And that's it. Okay. <laughs> we have an email also from Carlos, who hasn't written us in a while. Not since, uh, I believe, Jason affected a bad accent <laughs> reading his email. Unfortunately, Jason is not here. So you're going to get my version of reading the email, which is not as interesting. But Carlos did have some interesting things to say. He said, hello again from the sphincter of California. No, Jason? No, Jason. What? what? 
Then who's going to make me <laughs> That's not <enough>. Echo. <laughs> then who's going Why to make me you... sound like Antonio Banderas slash Sean Connery slash Highlander? Well, there we go. Anyways, I was thinking of some recent drama the Star Trek online community had when they had that oh-so-special deal from Atari. I believe it was $10 off and three months free play. So the community went ape shit and rioted or something, and then the deal was pulled. What do you guys think about that deal? And what did you think about Cryptic slash Atari's reaction? Are they perhaps listening too much to their community? From the point of view of someone who was interested in the game, but not enough to stop buying Panda Express every weekend to shell out the cash for full price, I was really disappointed. I missed it. And Cryptic needs to listen to their community, but remember that the masses are often greedy, self-indulgent, compulsive bastards that want things for free, regardless of whether it's best for the game or the community. Well, keep up the hard work. I mean it. I need something to listen to at work. It's so boring. There's only so much German alternative rock I listen to. I know, Mexican that listens to German rock still doesn't make any sense. Anyway, podcast like the wind, Channel Massive Crew. Carlos. Carlos. <laughs> Even Terry couldn't resist it. <laughs> no. No, listen, guys. Seriously. I have to apologize because I have a separate mic plugged into my computer, but I was still trying to mute it from my headphone. So when I muted and said, hey, I wonder if I can do an accent, I didn't know that I was talking at the same time as you. Yeah, whatever. Are you playing Star Trek Online still? <laughs> no. I I let my my uh, subscription lapse. I just I would log on and fly around a bit, and I didn't want to grind out the levels to the next ship. It just there was. It's a neat looking game. It's it's just I guess got better stuff to play. It always it reminded me just enough of cha- uh, Champions Online that I would actually want to go and play Champions Online. Um, oh, that's not good. I think it's kind of funny the situation that they had where they actually tried to do a promotion to get more players when the game's still fresh and the community went crazy. And the yeah, was yeah, that was that was absolutely nuts, and it kind of does scare me, Carlos, that they listened because you know you always have to. You've got this persona you have to build up with your community. You got to be real careful because if you punk out. And give them what they want. Now, see, the thing is, I just watched an episode of Battlestar Galactica tonight, actually, about the same issue, okay? So you have these guys, these resistance fighters, and they set up, okay, a whole, a whole, a restaurant was under, under their rule, right? And they wanted the Cylon, right? I'm not going to tell you who, but they wanted one, and they were going to kill it for revenge, okay? And if they would give that to them, okay... Then something would happen. I, it was kind of fuzzy. I was drinking, but that's what cryptic is, right? It's either the Cylon or the thing. Yes, Carlos, I'll yeah. work on my accent. Um, sure. <laughs> I don't. I don't really get the metaphor. But I don't either. I do appreciate the Battlestar Galactica reference. <laughs> the last email that we have. It, since we don't have Mark and Jason here, something occurred this week that I, I wasn't expecting because I, I set a timer six months ago in my Outlook to taunt Mark about something. 
And I wasn't sure how to tell you guys about this. I have the emails in the show notes. And so after a brief conversation, the three of us have decided we're going to read the three emails for a dramatic a dramatic reenactment to let you know what's going on in Mark and Jason's world. Who's reading me? I started the I'm, email. I'm reading you. Okay. And then Eric's reading Mark, right? And then I'm reading Jason. So take it away, Terry. You may or may not find it amusing that half a year ago, I set up an Outlook reminder to check this week if Mark was still playing Champions Online since it's been six months since it launched. This was all to taunt you, Mark, for buying a lifetime subscription to verify if it were worth the price. This little reminder is worth a chuckle, though. Incidentally, I've not played my Star Trek online since the pre-order early start weekend, so this part is still black. But (laughs) I didn't buy a lifetime subscription or limited edition, so I'm getting better. Noah. (laughs) <laughs> the enjoyment I got from playing Champions Online in the early weeks of its pre-release and subsequent launch was well worth the lifetime membership fee. Ha <laughs> ha! You can't put a price on utter bliss, you buffoon. Ha <laughs> ha! Seriously, though. Yeah, I haven't played any CO recently, nor have I played STO. League of Legends is my only gaming addiction at the moment. League of Legends, how I love the game. Mark. And last we had Jason respond. <laughs> That's awesome, Noah. I lasted a mere month and a half in Champions Online. I still have a Star Trek Online sub, but I doubt I'll be playing that much longer either at this rate. Got to Commander a week or so ago, and I haven't logged on since. Been playing a ton of Fable 2, though. I love it. It has those creepy moments I remember back in the early Ultima games. Jay. (laughs) (laughs) He totally sounds just like that when we don't record. (laughs) Wow, that sounded like some creepy Spanish... Like one of those guys who sneaks into a woman's bedroom and tries to seduce her, but then somebody else barges through the door and pulls out his sword and gun and is like, Senorita, I will come back later to take you. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Wow. Listeners, you can be in next week's episode number 126 by sending your feedback into mail. M-A-I-L. Yeah, at gentlemanship.com. Or you can also send your feedback to our tweet master, our current tweet master, Eric, at twitter.com slash channelmassive. You know, when I was younger, I used to write Shin Megami Tensei and Devil May Cry uh, fan fiction. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I did. What happened in these fan fictions? You're not going to Serious or were they erotic? Were they slash fiction? They were not erotic. Adventures. Okay, are you going to tell us the story? That's a euphemism. Yeah, <laughs> they were not erotic. All right, this is Dante. He transcends eroticism. Well, I mean, if you can, you can always make them like that. All you have to do is say things slow, real slow. Just, just start talking right now, please. No, I can't think of Dante like that. He's, 
He's a devil hunter. There's you don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about it like that. I will think about it. I'll do all the legwork when it comes to thinking. Just start talking. Start we talking. won't get very far if that's the case. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm too busy. I'm my own world over here, and I don't need anybody's help. Because when everybody thinks about things like that, it makes me hurt inside. Because some somebody's coming inside my door. Who is this? I just choked on a Guinness, you whore. Hey, Jason, what time is it? It's time for the weekend. So it's time for the weekend gaming, y'all. No, that wasn't cool. Um, oh so, <laughs> hey guys, what time is it? It's time for the weekend gaming. Oh, oh my god. No? I feel Painful. like I should wear parachute pants when I say that. God, I love the Ninja Turtles. Buckle um, your seatbelts, guys and gals, it's the weekend gaming. There we go. That's way to take initiative there, Ter. Well, <laughs> applesauce. Okay. So, right. our first story. First story we got is Battlestar Galactica. Gonna come out as an MMO. Yes! Mm. But it's gonna be browser-based. And it's coming from sci-fi. Yeah, Seafy. Whatever Bye, you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. How excited are you guys initially for that? I don't like Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I love Battlestar Galactica, and the concept of a Battlestar Galactica MMO is very exciting to me. However, I'm a little bit skeptical about it because you may recall that Battlestar Galactica game that they released over on Xbox Live, and they might have released it on PC. It was kind of this weird space shooter game, it really sucked bad. And if that can't be developed to a good level of quality, a game that's as complex as an MMO may not be that great. Now, I have faith that a browser-based MMO can be done to some degree of quality because Free Realms, whether you like it or not, is a pretty deep experience, and there's a lot of content to it, and it's got a really nice presentation, and it's browser-based. But yeah, the only the only thing that scares me about that is that the the engine that they're using is called Unity, and the only browser-based MMO I can think of right now that's um it's the Cartoon Network um like a, it's the kids MMO for the Cartoon Network. Oh, that's the one with um, all the weird versions of the characters. They're all done stylistically different. Yeah, it starts with an F or something like that. I can't remember what it is. That's run with the Unity engine. So in, instead of, I want to compare it to the quality of Free Realms, but with the Unity engine, I keep thinking back to that. And I, I definitely played it a little bit, and it, it, it just doesn't have low res, low res textures, and you don't really see where they're going with it. I, it really worries me. I just don't know what the heck they're gonna do. It's a shame because there is a lot of potential in that license, and it's it's sad if it's going to get squandered not once but two times in a row. Time will tell, but we will be keeping our radars out for those. Our other piece of story, our other MMO news that we decided to talk about this week is a bevy of Final Fantasy XIV information 
including screenshots of the opening cinema, and one in-game screenshot has been released courtesy of Famitsu. And <laughs> all three of us being visual people, the first thing we did was we just ruled over the screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> and then we noticed there was actually an interview about the gameplay above the screenshots. <laughs> oh, there was text. Text, look. There was. Eric failed in finding that all together, but Tara and I fortunately discovered it <laughs> somewhere on the screen. It's hard because it was like it was peppered with screenshots and you didn't really know where it began. But there's some interesting ideas that the that the developers are trying to posit such as, here's a quote from, there's a full Famitsu interview, and one of the quotes with one of the game designers said, you can party or solo in terms of playing the game, but the enemies will also form parties, so the main idea is party versus party. This time, the idea won't be to pull monsters to your camp, but to fight while moving. Which, that was kind of interesting, and also tying into that is that both characters and enemies easily have range-based attacks. So if you have archer or projectile-based enemies or characters, then they can attack you from a certain distance, but they're ineffective from from uh, the converse distances. So the game designers are hoping that the battles aren't run, 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 run up to the monster. Okay, whack, 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 whack away. It's going to be a lot more movement and drawing the parties back and forth across the terrain based on the actions that are required. Eric, actually both of you, Eric and Terry, you both played Final Fantasy XI. What are your reactions to some of the details that have been released in this interview, such as that, or that also MP does not restore itself through rest? That's another interesting concept, too. What do you guys think? Um, the MP thing is a bit weird. I suppose it's just something that we'll have to get used to, but they say that uh, you get special abilities that will help you restore mana and that you kind of have to ration it out as you go along so that you can like fight chains of battles and serve enough MP and then you can use these other skills to bring it back or something. Sounds kind of interesting but a bit weird also. But it's not the first time we've been without magic points in a Final Fantasy game. Very and true. I don't I don't want them to change it too much. Like uh, I definitely think Final Fantasy XI you're definitely missing something. It's not the kind of MMO that you, you want to solo, you know? It's it's all group-based. It's all about, you know, getting into a team and doing things. Uh, the Link Shell system, which is kind of like the guild system, is really important. You could have multiple social circles interacting. Um, I really didn't like camping. You know, I did that in EverQuest, and it feels really dated when you have to camp things. And in Final Fantasy XI, you pretty much had to set up your own spot, and wait for respawns. And that kind of, that when I'm, I, I don't particularly role play, but I do like to get into the environment of the game and appreciate it, and camping just, it, it, it really takes me out of the game and the experience with this idea that you're constantly moving forward, you're finding new, uh, pretty much teams, you know, parties of, of enemies, and also dealing with them, uh, it gets it gets my imagination running with the idea that you have to you know you have a scout who's a, you know going in front of the party and assessing the the group's you know situation coming back reporting back they do mention with the no mana like a no mana restor- restoration issue that there are classes devoted to mana conservation and i don't know i'm i'm trying to not think about it too much because 
if I think about it too much, I'm going to make it into this epic godlike game. Uh, I want to see what they're actually doing with it uh, before I start drooling. Um, Eric, how, how does camping take you out of a role play immersion? Well, well, no, it's it's the idea of um, I did it so much in EverQuest. You don't worry about that. Um, the I'm I'm kind of comparing it with what feature that they're trying to use. It's like they're they're responding um, to Final Fantasy XI uh, by allowing you to move and adventure. That that uh, in comparison to camping. You're constantly sitting there waiting for enemies to respawn. You're killing it and watching it respawn over and over again. You know, and it's it's exposing that element of MMOs. It's it's just that there's going to be respawn. No worries. I like the idea of mo- constantly moving to different parts of the area, uh, even though things are still respawning. It's going to give you the chance to feel like you're making headway into the area that you're actually adventuring. You know, that you're not just standing there waiting for some magical being to pop out of nowhere. I don't know. I, I'm see, see, I played EverQuest for like 10 years, and most of it was roleplay. And the way we got around that element was whatever mobs we were camping, we would sit with our backs towards them, but our screen camera turned so that we could actually see when they respond, but our characters could not. And we'd use the opportunity in between respawns to roleplay and to talk amongst ourselves and whatever. And then uh, we'd have, like, if we had a ranger in the party, when um, when one of us actual players saw behind us mobs starting to respawn, the ranger would be like, oh, I'm sensing, you know, he's a ranger. He can tell when mobs are starting to wander close to the party. And he would inform us, and we'd be, get up and kill the spawns. So camping never really took us out of the immersion of roleplay. I was just curious to hear why it did for you. Well, that sounds awesome. That was definitely the the crowd that we were hanging out with because I would get in with people that are pretty much just standing around talking about what was on television that day, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Now, a lot of my EverQuest um, time, we hardly ever talked about the world outside EverQuest. It was very, very RP-orientated. We played our characters, and we were not the people outside of the game. It was well fun. (laughs) So there. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Are are both of you going to jump into the world of whatever it is, Eodir or or whatever? Are you both going to get Final Fantasy XIV? I am going to try it, definitely, yes. It is Final Fantasy I can't not try it. And I, Eric? I, I was kind of burnt by 11. Like, just the, the class system and everything like that. I mean, when you want to play a specific class, say, for instance, the Dragoon or something like that, and you have to work so hard playing, like, literally playing a class that you don't give a shit about, I, I, I'm excited that, you know... With some of the stuff I'm reading about it, I'm just really, really antsy. I'm being very careful. I'm not saying anything until I hear more about it. I get to maybe play the beta and, and figure out, because I can't get my heart broken by another MMO. Nope. <laughs> well, yeah. MMO or not, as soon as I hear Final Fantasy, I know that I'm going to have to play whatever game it is. That's right. You are, you have the ultimate definitive Final Fantasy collection. Well, nearly. I, I, yes, I do. I now have 33 Final Fantasy games. 
It's impressive. Listeners, there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff in this interview if you haven't checked it out yet, including lots of screenshots, lots of artwork. Well, granted, the screenshots are of the cinema, which are absolutely amazing, definitely worth checking out. There's one actual in-game screenshot and then lots of artwork images. And then this full interview that covers the stuff that we've talked about in more detail, as well as what I believe are the classes, which include conjurers, thaumaturges, I don't know if that's thaumaturge or thaumaturge, blacksmiths, miners, pugilists, archers, gladiators, marauders, and lancers. So you can see artworks and learn about what their abilities are and how they play and what their weapons are and stuff. It's a lot of information, far too, far too much for us to go into in this episode, but we'll include the link for real in the show notes. So go and check that out. Up next, some general gaming news. Hey, Noah, what kind of a dog do you have? He's a Brussels griffin. A Russell's griffin? Brussels, He's a griffin? Like, Brussels. You have a fucking griffin? Yes. yes. Holy shit, a griffin. God, I wish they had griffins at my pet store. I'd probably get to breed them, and then I'd make a chariot, and I'd have them fly <laughs> across the sky. <laughs> general gaming news segment of the week in gaming first up the biggest news in the last week depending on your point of view was from gdc concerning the official final unveiling of sony's motion controller now christened move the move is a lot like the wii remote except it has a big glowing ball on top of it that can change colors thanks to internal leds and the way that it works is you also are required to use a PlayStation Eye camera, which conveniently has a microphone in it. And Sony marketeers have recently said, oh, look, and, and you can use the microphone, too. So it's just like Natal. And it's like the Wii all in one. At any rate, the camera tracks the position of that little ball. And also the, the I want to call it a remote, the move controller has gyroscopes in it so it knows how it's being tilted and swung around and stuff like that. So it provides essentially the same kind of functionality as you would experience with the Wii remote equipped with Motion Plus. Though, thanks to the camera, it can actually also project you on the screen, much as Sony's PlayStation 2 iToy games did, and replace the controller in your hand with objects such as clippers or a golf club or a tennis racket. If you're not being represented on screen, then apparently there's some really good one-to-one recognition of your movements as you move around the remote, the controller. <laughs> I almost did it again. <laughs> Notice the theme. It's not on purpose. I swear I'm not calling it a remote on purpose. It's just what I'm used to calling Wii's controller. At any rate, apparently the, there, there's a whole bunch of demos shown. There are a lot of games that have already existed and currently exist on Wii, except these are HD versions of them. Not necessarily remakes. They're more like ripoffs. And some of the games require that you hold two move controllers. Some games actually allow you to use the named sub controller, <laughs> which is a wireless version kind of. It's it's Sony's wireless version take on the Wii Remote Nunchuck, which plugs into the remote and has an analog stick. Sony's sub controller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to resist not to. I'm trying to resist making the jokes there. Sony subcontroller has also a an analog stick and a directional pad, and 
face buttons on it as well. But it doesn't have motion capabilities like Wii's Nunchuck does. It's just a regular controller. In fact, you can replicate the functionality of the sub-controller by just holding a regular DualShock controller in your other hand while you play with the move controller and your dominant hand or however you like to play. <laughs> dominant sub. Oh my gosh, I couldn't help it. It just happened. All right. Dominant so. sub. The Sony move. It's got balls. <laughs> this new innovative experience, which Sony's SVP of marketing, SCEA's, SVP of marketing, Peter Deal, said is a natural progression. It's a step up from the Wii, and it's a way for people who have been intrigued by motion games but who have, quote, looked down their noses at Wii. Finally, they can get into games, and this is going to establish a dual audience for the PlayStation 3, both of hardcore traditional gamers as well as social or casual gamers. The bundle, you'll be able to pick this up in the holiday at an unspecified date sometime in the holidays at the end of this year. One bundle will be under $100, and it will include the Move controller, but not the Sub controller, and a PlayStation Eye, and a game. Potentially, that could be Sports Champions, which is a mini-game collection of sports games, much like Wii Sports Resort and Wii Sports. That's the full authoritative breakdown of the details. What are your guys' impressions of this as fellow gamers, Eric and Tara? I think that the move looks like a microphone or a vibrator. (laughs) It looks so weird. I don't think that I would ever hold that thing if I had a PS3. When I get a PS3, I don't think I would ever use it. I mean, it might be good in a later iteration, but I don't know. It just seems weird. It doesn't seem like a PlayStation thing. You know? Mm -hmm. It's odd. I don't think that I would use it. But I don't know. I might change my mind and discover that I really like Wiimotes or something. Or the move. Or something. <laughs> Eric, oh, damn it. <laughs> I I watched all of the the videos for the, the mini games that they were presenting and I mean more than once, uh just like you, you were saying, they they feel like I don't know if you call them rip-offs, but uh, something that I just want to say, we already did it. Like, the, the we already did this, and it's already moving on to try to figure out what, what they can actually do um, in a more sophisticated way. Like, uh, Little, Big, Little Big Planet, when I was watching videos for the Little Big Planet um, uh, features that you could actually move items, it, it was from that game I just played and beat called Nick's Quest. So I don't know if it's just the timing of, of me playing more Wii games lately, but I, I wasn't impressed. I was happy for people who have PlayStation 3s. They get to actually play some of the, you know, when you can only afford one system, it's kind of annoying. You kind of joke around about the other things. But they're going to be able to see that the stuff that they're doing was on the Wii. It was a great fun, but I think, I don't know if the Wii will be able to move forward you know, and while while the PlayStation 3 is still kind of playing with, you know, taking those little baby steps, trying to figure it out, because a lot of this stuff looks like it's just a bunch of mini-game compilations. Like the when the Wii first came out, it had to deal with. So I don't know. What do you guys think it's going to be like? What's your your 
pseudo pretend to analyst predictions of what's going to happen in the months following holiday 2010, when you presumably will have both PlayStation move and Xbox 360s project Natal, as well as Nintendo's vitality sensor all out on the market. What do you, what are your guys' guesses on how these items will perform? I think that Natal is probably going to win, not because I'm biased for the 360 or anything, but I just think that it's how it's been promoted is a lot. More people see what they're offering with Natal, and they want that because they think it's the year 2055. And we'll all have VR games. And that's what they're making Natal out to look like. And people want that. So they're going to buy that first, I think. I think Sony's going to come in last in this one, to be honest. So you think the Vitality Sensor is going to even outdo the Move controller? Yeah, yeah I do think so. I wow. think that this Move controller it wasn't probably the best idea. Because I'm sure it's going to sell, and there are people who are going to like it, but there are more people who are just going to say, if I wanted this, I would go buy a Wii. You know? Yeah. And you can get the Wii's package. It doesn't have the HD graphics, but you can get it for hundreds of dollars less when you add up everything together. Yes, you can. Well, I don't know all of the, the numbers. I don't have... You know, I don't get paid for this, but in my heart, <laughs> in my heart, deep down inside, I'm feeling like it's going to be the Xbox 360. Natal is going to win out, uh, mainly because I feel like out of the three, um, well, I'm not like, what the hell is this vitality, sans- this vitality sensor thing? Like, what game are they actually going to use with that? Have we yeah, seen any videos... Know. I mean, I think what, what in most of the interviews or the, the conferences, they just say, you haven't seen what it is. But when you see it, your mind's going to explode. Like, you're, it's going to be awesome. You don't understand now, but you just wait. Just buy it, and you'll see. You'll see. So I'm like, that's, no, that's not even in the picture for me right now. Out of Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 seems like it's, it's, it's marketed it more successfully. It, and you don't have to worry about those weird cotton candy globe ice cone things that you're like. It looks it looks worse than the Wii remote. Like the Wii remote, people were freaking out as soon as they got in their hand. They were like, "Hey, it's not too bad. It's like a remote." What are these like? They're they're like a vibrator. I told they're, you what they're like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like snow cones. They're like some weird things. I feel embarrassed. They're, they're, they change color. You know, that's that's a feature they're promoting, guys. One of the <laughs> features that they promote along with super accurate, you know, sword swinging is that the balls change color. <laughs> like, I, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to say it's going to be 360s Natal. You don't need anything for casual players what else, you know, you just got to swing your arms. It's awesome. Or do whatever you need to do. Then it's going to be the PS3 because we've seen videos. We know what's going on. And I have to put Nintendo at the end because they're just using the name Nintendo and the huge nostalgia that I have 
and love for that company and saying, you trust us. We're Nintendo. You don't know, but it's going to be awesome. I, I can't. I can't. They gave me Zelda. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of innovation in the world of controls, there is still innovation going on in the world of game design, and we recently got some more tidbits about Fable 3's gameplay and UI. And this partic- this revelation in particular piqued Tara's interest, so we'll let her take this one. <laughs> oh, will we? Yes, we will. Well, as far as this article leads me to believe, it's that uh, Mr. Molyneux, is that how you say his name? Yeah. He, he pretty much decided that he was tired of making shit people don't care about. And uh, so Fable 3's menu system is going to completely cut out the 2D like menus of like an inventory screen and um, like equipment bars and everything. And everything is going to be managed from inside the game well. Like when you uh, pause the game to go into like an inventory screen or something, it's going to take you into a chamber with different rooms and different functions so that it can do everything in the world instead of having to pull up a menu of some kind. I think that is incredibly awesome. Just brilliant. I'm so sick of having to scroll through two pages of inventory bags just to find an item or equipping something from a menu. This is going to be cool. But how would you feel if you went to your little trunk of inventory and had to spend two minutes digging through 50 layers of things that you've buried in it? I wouldn't care. That's how I do it in real life. (laughs) The first game that came to mind when I heard you talking about this was actually Dead Space. There's been a lot of games in this generation that have done away with traditional on-screen indicators. I think Prince of Persia did that quite a bit, too. Yeah. But Dead Space has a very extensive inventory and a map system and all those other things. And it really works well. I think the only time where you really see a a traditional menu screen is when you're saving the game. But considering all of the inventory and the maps and the objectives and the logs that you have to manage, that they pop up as holograms and other types of dimensional displays while the game's still going on, so you could be attacked while you're thumbing through an audio log or, or whatever. It's just really cool, and it makes the game so much more immersive. So I definitely can agree with Tear that an RPG that... Uh, for an RPG or, or an action-adventure, I'm not sure how you want to classify Fable. I would probably say, I guess it's an RPG. To embrace that same kind of design would be really cool. And I, I definitely have to see it. I'm a little bit skeptical, because it seems like, while it would be more engrossing it seems like it would be more time consuming on the other hand and i don't know if uh, unlike the beautiful summon animations in final fantasy games if i'm going to like digging through my treasure box the thousandth time when i need to equip something but if it's reasonably designed i think it could be successful i think that you would get used to it pretty quickly I, I, because it does it the way it says that it's going to be doing it, it sounds like such a natural thing to do. I don't see that it would be an aggravation. I don't know. It's still, we don't know a lot about it, so. Yeah, that's, and that's true. That's the thing that um, 
really gets me excited for it is if they if they have this great idea, right? It's going to be awesome. We're going to have real inventory that we have to manage and move around. It's going to immerse you in the game like you you've always wanted to be when it comes to fable games. You know, they want you to live a life in that game. Mhm. I I hope that they look at the ba- the basic RPG inventory system and change it to suit this interface that they're creating. Because if they just slap it on the usual, yeah, it's going to be annoying as hell when you need one revive potion and you've got to go all the way down searching in the bag or you need ten different revive potions and they're all around. I hope they look at the inventory system and, and really change it. Because I love when they mess around with this kind of stuff. If it's in one game, like uh, the new Splinter Cell, um, it's, uh, what is it? Well, the new Splinter Cell, right? It's got the level objectives pasted on the wall. It looks very much like a spy movie or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, if there's a cutscene or a flashback, it doesn't it doesn't take you there and, and immediately remove you from the level. It splashes it as as you know light from like the moon. Like it's coming on the wall. from a projector or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nuts. And I love that, and I love Dead Space when you have to look at your map. It's coming off of a holographic projection on his wrist or something like that. You know, it keeps me in the game. It's it it, it transforms it into art design, level design, stuff like that instead of just interface. So yeah. I'm excited. Dead cool Space. to see how it turns out. Now, something that you haven't been excited about, Eric. Well, you've been excited, and uh, are all these Facebook games that are coming out. That are tied into MMOs. Well, I was searching around for news, and I looked on Massively, and it's like three or four... um, Well, no, I won't exaggerate. Three different stories about three different developers coming out with Facebook games. Uh, Champions Online now now has one right now that you can go out and try out. Uh, Fallout... uh, Not Fallout, sorry. Uh, There you go. That's a a Freudian Freudian slip slip. right there. (laughs) Yep. So Fallen Earth... And then also uh, Runes of Magic, the free-to-play game, they're all coming out with Facebook apps. Uh, when I first heard that, I was kind of fearful because a lot of the Facebook apps that come out, they're just copies of Mob Wars or Vampire Wars or whatever you want to call them, where you, really all they want you to do is spam invites to all your friends, get it together, and then hopefully a small percentage are going to buy points from them to speed up whatever process they're making you click buttons at. Um, and I got excited at first for Champions Online because I was like, well, I mean, they're going to come out with that. And even if it's that, I won't mind if they give you some kind of bonus in-game. You know, I'm playing this crappy Facebook game, and I'm only really into it because I play your online game. Can't you give me some kind of temporary buff or item or something that I can look towards, you know? I, I figured out of all of those, you know, Champions would do that, right? They failed me. Because out of all of them, Ruins of Magic is the only one that's actually giving you items in-game. They're going to reimburse, give you um, codes that you can reimburse in-game. That's fucking nuts. It just, it kind of disappoints me. I still love you, Champions Online, but you're (laughs) fucking stupid. (laughs) I think given some time to evolve, maybe they'll be a little bit more intelligent about the executions, but I'm going to have to agree that if they create a self-contained game like that, that doesn't necessarily encourage or lead you to like, oh, I'm going to purchase this and pay a monthly subscription to play the even bigger version of it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, and that reminds me. They do do that. (laughs) 
small, a small little box at the bottom says, hey, if you buy Champions Online for 30 bucks, we're going to give you 200 points for the Facebook game. What? Oh. You, know what you, you know what you use those points for? You use them to speed up your clicking. So you don't have to click as many times, or you can do you can use more favors or something. Oh God, don't! I'm getting. Why do you have to hurt me like this, champion? <laughs> don't do this, cryptic. Stop fucking with me. Listeners, have you been burned by a Facebook game? I know that I have. I'm, I'm sure that probably all of us have. Not necessarily in this dimension where it's tied into a real world video game, but for the most part, and there have been some exceptions. I have not enjoyed or liked any Facebook games. I have liked Word Twist because <laughs> I love word games. But the stereotypical ones like Mafia Wars where it's handing items around and it's just lots of spam. For me, it's just a big turnoff because I I know what real games are like, what real video games are like. And I, I think from that perspective that I just see this and I think, there is nothing to this. I could go home and start up my PC or one of my consoles or my DS and play a real game that's genuinely engaging. Now, for people who aren't into video games at all, it could be kind of cool. But for me, it's just it's like getting junk mail. It's like getting spam in your email account. So, Ter, you are at the defense of Facebook games, particularly Dungeons & Dragons Tiny Adventures. I also play Farmville. But I never spam people with shit. I hate that as well. And Cafe World. But I never spam people with shit on any of the games I play. You know? I don't do all that, oh, I got this badge, whatever the fuck. I hate <laughs> I enjoy the games, but I hate that people spam you with all the nonsense, you know? A lonely pink cow has wandered into Tear's farm. You know, on occasion I will do those if I really want an animal. Because if you report one wandering into your farm an animal, then you have a more uh, a greater chance of one actually coming to you to stay. And there are a few of them that I really want to get, like penguins. I have an army of penguins because I love them. <laughs> but it's incredibly rare that I will ever put something up like that. And I never do it on Cafe World. But... See, I think I, I, I get the same problem as Noah. Like, Tiny Adventures makes me want to play My Life as a King, and then Farm Farmville from hearing that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play Viva Pinata. I like animals. And I like Pinata. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's the little micromanaging of things. You know, when I, ha- when I just have 10 minutes, then I can just pop into Facebook and play 10 minutes on one of these games. I don't have to spam anybody. That takes away the fun of these games for me. 10 minutes, I can redo my entire farm and make a whole new bunch of stuff in Cafe World. And I don't care about my levels. It's just fun to do. But listeners, if you agree or disagree with that, let us know. Send your feedback in to mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com or twitter.com slash channelmassive. If you want to say, you guys suck. I love my Mafia Wars. Well, by all means, let us know. Stick up for your little Facebook game. We have a couple pieces of weird news next before we wrap up the show. You better be well. Treat me with respect because Weird news time. First story. A study from uh, today's Gamers MMO Focus Report has informed us that America spent 
$3.8 billion American dollars on MMOs in 2009. Now, America is pretty big. All right. But that's $3.8 billion. Number two on that list is $270 million. And that's from the UK. So we have America up here at number one at $3.8 billion. And then number two at $270 million. That is kind of a big difference, don't you think? <laughs> if America were to suddenly become China, it would be very bad news for those people because this is the kind of stuff that China is trying to prevent happening. Rampant addiction and engrossment. Although the dollars spent over here don't necessarily indicate engagement. It's just subscription fees being collected. I wonder how much of that is it's just like gym memberships. People sign up for gym memberships and they never go, but they I, keep yeah. paying for them month after month. I wonder <laughs> how many of how much of those dollars are actually going towards active players subscriptions versus dormant. It'd be very interesting. It says that um there's about 46 million users in the US. And about 21 million are paying for them, and the rest play free-to-play. Wow. But so 25 still... million are involved in free realms or clipping? <laughs> <laughs> or Neopets, or don't forget Hello Kitty Online. <laughs> or the Facebook games. I don't know if those count. Uh, Facebook games, you can pay real money to get cash. It's sad, sad, sad. Well, so weird. And then PC gaming in general in 2009, 13 13 billion. So, four times the amount of money just spent on MMOs was spent on PC gaming. Jeez. Which would suggest to people PC gaming still hasn't died. Not yet. Soon. Wait, what'd you say? Okay, PC gaming's dead. PC gaming's dead. Did I come in late? <laughs> yeah. <PC game's> dead. <laughs> Our other piece of weird news is courtesy of Sony, and it's not the Move controller. It is their new take on game demos. So historically, what we've been used to for game demos is we'll get a level of the game or several levels of the game for free, and those are available for however you want, however long you want to play them. You can play them over and over and over, as I often do with the demos that I really like. And hopefully you will be encouraged by that experience to purchase the full game because you just love those opening levels so much. What Sony would like to do is a demo system where the demos actually erode over time. So you, of course, would be given a finite chunk of the game, but on top of that, the features of the game would slowly degrade and become locked. They would either be removed or they would be unable to be played versus you have a single level that you can play forever. This patent hasn't been granted yet, but I was curious to think what I was, I was curious to hear what Eric and Tara thought of this, this proposal versus the regular demos that you may be used to. I think in theory, a limit on demos is a good idea. Because if you really like a game, you should go out and get it. 
not just play the demo over and over and over. And apparently it's, it's actually the repetitive playing of the demo that causes it to grade. The more that you play it, the more features start to degrade. So let's say I was playing, <laughs> hypothetically, the Left 4 Dead 2 demo, which doesn't exist on PlayStation at this time. But I would be able to play through the first level, and then the second time through, I wouldn't be able to use melee weapons, perhaps. And then the third time through, I could only run through and I'd be slaughtered by zombies. Now, that'd be really bad demo design, but <laughs> it could potentially be a, an example of how that would work. How would what, what do you think of this situation, Eric? Do you, do you like the idea? Do you, would you rather have a, a complete demo or a demo I, that degrades over time, like a, a weapon in an RPG? I think it's kind of... Well, okay, so... I, I thought about it a bit. At first, I was I was all for it. Seems neat. But the more I think about it, the more useless it sounds. And it's not... The feature itself, I, I think that's interesting, but... Instead of applying it to demos, which, I mean, the easy solution is just to give you a couple levels, put 20, like the Monster Hunter Try demo, 20 minutes. That's all I could play. It, it got me, though. I'm ready to go. Because it, it, Monster Hunter is the kind of game that you're, com- you're limited. Like, you can't do anything in 20 minutes. What I want is them to take this interesting concept they developed and move it into a game. <laughs> I don't know how... They could do plenty of things with that. They could do something like... Um, there was a GameCube game that I'm blanking on now. Eternal Darkness. That that broke the, the fourth wall and messed with you so much by, like, blue screening, think, thinking, make you think... Uh, to make you think it crashed or it cr- corrupted your memory card data, um, affecting you in such a way that it would randomly take away your melee weapon, say, in Left 4 Dead, or or do something like that. Or, I mean, you could use it some something basic like uh, adding replay value onto a game by degrading it in some way, or depending on how you played, uh, almost like a karma system for games. I don't know. I, I, I'd be more interested in seeing how they could apply this idea to the games they make instead of the demos. For me, I don't like the idea of a degrading demo, particularly because... A lot of games have unique control systems, and your first or second time through, if you're really interested in figuring out how the game plays, may be a really negative experience because you need practice to play it. And I think a perfect example of this would be Mirror's Edge, which is a game that I downloaded the demo for. And when you first play that game, it's just so different. I mean, this is an extreme example, of course. It's not like you uh, an FPS, which may have pretty complementary controls, but it was just so different. I needed to play it over and over to feel like ultimately it was a game that I could play. And of the demos, of the game demos that I play over and over, which have included Mirror's Edge, Left 4 Dead 1, Left 4 Dead 2, I would play those over and over because I wanted the game so badly and I just couldn't get enough even of that truncated experience. And if I felt like the game was going to deteriorate over time, first of all, I'd be kind of paranoid with like but I, I really like it i want to keep playing it and i'd also be kind of angry about it for me it's kind of like watching a trailer for a movie that you're really excited about and you're like oh my gosh that trailer's so good oh i can't wait to watch it again and it helps build hype by having you repeat it over and over and to lose it just it's just kind of cynical and scrooge like 
to me. Uh, I think it, it's really positive to let you just give you a limited chunk of the game or give you a time limit. That makes sense. But having a degrade, especially for games when you have to learn the control scheme right off the bat, unless you're a really skilled gamer, you're not going to get as much out of the demo as if you were to able to as if you were able to play it over and over. Makes sense. You won yeah. me over. You got my vote, Noah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Terry's still a little bit skeptical, but both points well, of view are valid. I know if I played Monster Hunter over and over, the biggest thing is is deciding what weapon you're going to use. You know, because that defines you and creates your class. And if I if, if you know classes and weapons started to disappear because I played it, because I played that thing like six times, seven times last night, I, I would have been really pissed. Because that's that's <laughs> what if the one weapon that I wanted disappeared, or I couldn't use items anymore, and I could only survive for five minutes. Man. Stupid. Dumb. <laughs> Delete it. It's gone. You know, Eric mentioned like ten minutes ago, you mentioned Eternal Darkness, and I found my actual my GameCube Eternal Darkness, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, almost during that entire thing, when I get my Wii, I'll be able to play this again. (laughs) That's true, you will. Memory cards, controllers, and all. And they're making a new one, right? I'll pull them all out, but I do have Eternal Darkness in my hands right now. I look forward to Bleeding Walls. (laughs) Bleeding Walls, women screaming, what else is there? Oh, did you ever get it where the volume started to go down and it had the volume thing on the screen? Oh, but yeah. It was, but it was fake. Oh, that freaked me out the first time I had it. I, grabbed, I remember grabbing my remote control going, what the fuck? <laughs> one that, the one that convinced me the most was one of the early ones where um, you would, there was a knock on the door. The way that my house was situated, I got up three or four times going, who the fuck is at the door? <laughs> Yeah, that game really fucked with my head. Anyway, sorry, tangent again. It's okay. This is actually the end of our show. We've gone through oh. all of our news stories and tangents and and comments and everything, and we hope you like the show. Let us know what you think of it. Send your feedback to mail. M-A-I-L. Excellent. Oh, <laughs> At channelmassive.com, <laughs> twitter.com slash channelmassive. And you will be in the mailbag of episode 126. We look forward to talking to you again, and we'll be back again next week. I don't know who the hosts will be, but I'm sure it'll be a great show. <laughs>